Welcome back to Suru's podcast. In the last episode, we heard how Guru Hargobind essentially cursed his daughter's wedding. And the love of his Sikhs, having heard that these Sikhs who had traveled from so far away from Kabul, Afghanistan, how they were not served right away, the sweets which were being made for Bibi Viro's wedding. So chapter 3 now begins describing how everybody hearing the curse was just in shock. The news of this was sent over to Mata Modri and she just dropped. She sat down and was regretting what she did earlier. She was thinking that now a great burden, a problem has descended upon her in the wedding. And she was so sad thinking that, you know, what have I done? I didn't think properly. I didn't agree to what my husband Guru Hargobind said. You know, who would have thought this would have been a good idea? So in the evening, Guru Hargobind was in his residence, sitting on his bed. When Mata Dumodri then walked into the room, she was so scared of the curse that Guru Hargobind said earlier and said, Guru Hargobind, I only have this one daughter. It's from you this blessing came. And whose wedding now you have cursed? You want to mess this wedding up? There's really no one else who has the power to remove this, to change what you've said. So it's certain now that such a terrible circumstance will arise at the wedding. But please be graceful and turn back what you said. Otherwise, for sure, we'll be uprooted. May our beloved daughter remain in happiness and peace, removed far away from any great problems or troubles in her house. May the wedding party also be well. May they arrive safe and sound to our residence. When Guru Hargobind saw how humble and distressed she was in this speech, Guru Hargobind then said, The root of this problem was within your mind at that time. So why wouldn't you now accept the outcome of that? You thought of the Sikhs of the Guru in such a low manner. You didn't think they were deserving of food and stop those sweets from being handed out to them? You've placed this fate within your heart and you've done this mistake. But at least you're regretting it now. And the fruit of that is that from this regret, all the people who come to the wedding will be safe. But any other problem that falls upon us is unavoidable, as what I've said is what will happen. So Mata Damodri was a little pleased with this, knowing that at least the wedding party will be fine. Everyone will arrive happily and safe, but still in her heart, she was just worrying a lot. Her face was all sunken in, her right eye was twitching, crows were crying out loudly, vultures were flying, circling above, high in the clouds. She would spend her days in sadness, looking around and interpreting all these signs as bad omens. She, at that point, was just remembering her mother-in-law, Mata Gangaji, remembering that time when she was with her, she had no worry or problems at all. When Mata Gangaji was living, everything was just awesome. She was very happy. In the house, there was no pain, no trouble. And now, she's thinking, I've said something bad, and the Guru of the world has not fully forgiven me. How will we spend this time celebrating the wedding, when people will see all these bad omens? He's not even called the family yet. And on top of that, he got angry and cursed the wedding. So Mata Dumodri was just thinking about all this in her heart, which was filled with all this anxiety and worry. So this is what happened within the Guru's house as they were prepping for the ceremonies and gifts for the wedding. But now let's hear how the trouble starts. How many warriors will find themselves fighting on the battlefield. In Lahore, Shah Jahan, the emperor of the Mughal Empire, was residing there, keeping with him countless battalions of his army in all the four directions of the city. In his encampment, there were a great number of foot soldiers, infantry enlisted there, 
There were also countless cavalry troops, so troops on horses along with elephants who were crying out and making loud noises. They had such amazing saddles and clothing upon these horses and elephants which were embroidered with gold and silver. From all corners of the empire, the best in wealth came there for Shah Jahan. Everyone from his strong armed rule was afraid of him. There really was no one else in the world who could face off against Shah Jahan and put metal to metal to fight him square on in the battlefield. Just like a Chakravarti Raja, a king who could go everywhere where they want and win battles, in this dark age Shah Jahan was akin to this. He had 10,000 cannons in his armory, which if he let them off at once even the mountains wouldn't stand a chance. What are forts in front of such cannons? The entire world would shake through the use of these cannons. They were also half a luck, so 62,500 smaller cannons, which when went off, when they were shot in the battlefield, they would destroy enemies from very far away. Great amounts of supplies and weapons would be given and made for the great emperor, and every other regional king or populace was under their command. One day, he rode out from Lahore east towards Amritsar. Within that space, uh, between Lahore and Amritsar, there were a great amount of forests at that time. And in those forests, he would hunt, killing many animals, letting his dogs go and chase and draw out deer from the forest. And in this play of the hunt and engaging in hunting, he reached halfway between Lahore and Amritsar. At that point, tired from his hunting, he rested, setting his hunting camp up for the night. The entire camp, the entire group then started beginning to set up their tents there, the encampment. So from all the horses and elephants, that whole area, it swelled up in troops from all sides and there were camps set up everywhere. The horses and elephants were just tearing up the forest. It was quite a massive army. Shah Jahan had also brought with him countless ministers who would always be in his service and within the court, they would pay salutation to him. They all ate their evening meal and slept peacefully. Shah Jahan saw the sun rise the next morning. He got up with the desire to continue hunting in there in these forests. He had countless cheetahs, hunting dogs, and these hunting dogs were just massive from eating meat and even clarified butter. There were all types of these birds of prey, from hawks, smaller hawks like the Shaheen falcon, Kalakuhi, a Bahari falcon, which is a type of Shaheen falcon in smaller size. So both the Kuhi and the Bahari are darkish in color. They also had a Shikra hawk, which is light in color. It's a smaller raptor also called a little banded goshawk. They also had a lugger fountain, jurara hawk as well, which is a goshawk. So they had all these different types of falcons, hawks of different sizes, which all hunted in different ways. They were let out and they were sent to catch smaller birds and watching the air battle, Shah Jahan would just run around on his horse and they would hunt this way and they continued on east and they ended up about 12 kilometers outside from the city of Amritsar. Meanwhile, in Amritsar, Guru Hargobin also had this desire to go out hunting that morning. Called for his very strong and agile horse, he relayed this to his warriors that they were going out and they started preparing as well for the hunt. They all put on their cloth and saddles on the horses, dressing up and adorning themselves with weapons. They all came to Guru Hargobin mounted up, ready, to hunt with rifles hung on their shoulders. Some had spears, others had bow and arrow. They were all strapped up, ready to rock, basically. Guru Hargobind himself had a sword in a strap around his neck. Along his waist, he had a quiver beautifully tied in. 
and on his shoulder he had a very heavy and vicious bow. And in this fashion they all strapped up, they got ready, and they mounted up on their horses. His horse was beautiful, it was darkish in color and had a reddish tint to it. And after holding the reins with one hand, on the other he had a hawk. He also had these other types of hawks with him as well, with hunting dogs. The Mir Shikaris, the hunting helpers, also came as well. And they went about six kilometers west from Amritsar. They were hunting wild boar and rabbits. In front of them, Shah Jahan was hunting and Guru Hargobind was heading in that direction. Between them, about eight kilometers remained and they were hunting both in that area. They were hunting partridge birds, of all different types of quail birds, along with striking down at wild boar and rabbits when seeing them. They were running their horses behind all these animals, tiring out the deer, striking them down as well. They were hunting in all directions, speeding off with their horses, searching through all the forests. And at some point, Guru Hargobind wanted to rest after killing so many animals in the forest. Guru Hargobind spoke out to Bidhichand and said, We've roamed around plenty. We made the horses gallop and run great distances. I'm tired now. Let's look for some shade so we can dismount and rest. Bidhijan then took his horse, he went some distance looking for a spot before coming back and saying to Guru Hargobind, O great king, there were two banyan trees and it's further past the end of the Gumtala village. Even then, the shade's not great. It looks like somebody burnt those trees because it looks like the leaves had been burnt. Guru Hargobind heard this and still went to that area where there wasn't much shade. The Sikhs had placed some sheets between the trees to create some shade and some sheets on the ground as well where Guru Hargobind then rested. Sikhs brought water for the Guru who then rinsed his mouth before washing his face and along with his lotus-like feet. It was the month of Jait in the summer and it was extremely hot. So Guru Hargobind stayed there to rest. Other Sikhs had gone out great distances looking for shade. When they found some, they tied their horses up. So Guru Hargobind was there resting in that area nearby where Shah Jahan was hunting and killing many animals in the forest. And that's how chapter 3 concludes. In the next chapter, we're going to hear of how a very fine exotic foreign hawk of Shah Jahan flies into the camp of Guru Hargobind. So that's where we're going to pick him next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who've been supporting the podcast by the Mangalacharan Patreon page. Guru